This is Floodlights, the investigative podcast made in partnership by Cayute Radio and the Daily Utah Chronicle. I'm your host, Elise Bailey. Each episode, the student journalists at the Chronicle take us through their investigative stories as we discuss their process and findings. This week, we have on Justin Prather, print managing editor and investigative journalist for the Chronicle, to discuss the Cleary Act, a government document meant to educate students about the safety of their campus. Hi, Justin. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing great. Elise, how are you? I'm well. Um, Let's start off by talking about the law itself. Can you tell us a little about where it came from and what it does? All right. So uh, in 1986, um, Jean Cleary, uh, a student at Lehigh University, was um, sexually assaulted and murdered in her dorm room. And After that, her parents kind of took it upon themselves to start advocating for um, more transparent campus safety um, procedures and laws um, because, uh, I mean, as they stated at the time, if uh, if they would have known how many crimes were being committed on Lehigh's campus, then they would have found another institution for, for their daughter to go to. So... Um, so that's kind of how it came about. They advocated for around four years before it was finally made into law in 1990. Mm-hmm. That's where we get, um, it's got a super long name. Um, the, the, the Gene Cleary Disclosure of Campus Security Policy and Campus Crime Statistics Act. Um, but we commonly call it the Cleary Act and that's where we get our Cleary reports every year from. Okay. So you write in your article that that specific number of crimes that had happened at Lehigh University in the past three years before Jean was killed was 38 violent crimes. And just for context, I did want to ask you, um, how many violent crimes have occurred at the U in the past three years? I know um, I looked up the definition of violent crimes can vary across states and across different agencies. Um, I found a pretty conservative definition from the FBI And they say that includes murder, non-negligent manslaughter, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. So under that definition, how many violent crimes have occurred at the U in the past three years? So we don't have the 2018 numbers yet um, because those numbers are being published uh, this year in September probably. Um, uh, So – but before 2018, from 2015 to 2017, 48 uh, violent crimes committed. Wow. And and I think it's pretty safe to say that the U has had a difficult few years in terms of the murder of students right. in particular. Since 2016, two students have been murdered on campus property and two others were murdered off of it, although the U probably couldn't have done anything about those. Um, so you your article is about a murder that is related to the U. Is it one of those four? No. Um, the murder that I looked into um, for my article, uh, the murder of Catherine Peralta in December of 2016, um, was not one of the ones that, that uh, has been reported on uh, a great deal and certainly didn't appear in a Cleary report. Um, in, so in 2016, or actually 2017, 
um, October of 2017, you have the murder of Chen Wei Guo um, outside Red Butte Garden. That one's on on campus. Um, Lauren McCluskey in October of 2018 killed um, in the parking lot of the dorm room of a dorm room on a upper campus. And over uh, the summer, we had Mackenzie Lueck, who was killed off campus. Um, and then January of this year, we had Sarah Hawley, a University of Utah employee who was uh, also killed off campus. Um, I do think like an important thing to note about these murders um, that we've talked about, Chen Wei Guo, Lauren McCluskey, and the, the murder that I looked into, Catherine Peralta, um, all killed with a weapon that was at- obtained illegally. And all of them except for Chen Wei Guo's death are a domestic violence situation. So um, I think those are interesting or gruesome parallels to kind of come to when looking at or when comparing all of these murders. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the murder of Catherine Peralta. What happened and where was it? Okay, so um, Catherine Peralta was killed by her husband, um, Richard Peralta, uh, in the parking lot of one of the AERUP laboratory buildings um, located in Research Park here at the University of Utah. And is that campus property? Uh, it is property that is owned by the University of Utah and leased to ARUP. Um, and ARUP Laboratories is a enterprise of the University of Utah um, operated in part by the Department of Pathology here at the U. Okay, so that's a little confusing. To be clear, it sounds like the property is owned by the U, but it's used by a business that the U runs anyway. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so if it's campus property then, does that mean that university police handled the investigation? Um, yes. So like the University of Utah um, Department of Public Safety has jurisdiction over all University of Utah-owned property in the research park. Um, and anything that is not owned by the university is um, kind of handled in partnership with uh, university police and Salt Lake Police Department. Okay. So... You mentioned that Catherine's murder was not included in the CLEAR report. Can you tell me about why that is? Yeah, so this is where it kind of gets confusing because, I mean, like when I first started this investigation, it kind of, uh, it wasn't necessarily 100% clear that like this probably should have been on the CLEAR report. Um, But like from an outsider's perspective, looking at, you know, this is University of Utah property. Um, the University of Utah police responded. This is a business that's run by the university. I mean, there's so many ties to the university. It just would have, you know, common sense would dictate, well, of course, this should be reported on a clear report. I, I think you're well aware, like, it's just a little bit complicated and nuanced. Uh, the definitions in Cleary, they certainly are kind of open to... Um, different interpretations and, and circumstances every year. And so it's kind of hard to, to give you a real clear, easy answer, but we thought we could at least try to talk through it. And um... Um, But, I mean, that's where it gets confusing because if the building itself um, is probably not or is not Cleary geography, 
it's not um, it's not property that would be included in a Cleary report because uh, it's campus property, yes, but uh, in the in the law, it very clearly um, says that campus property is any building or property owned or controlled by the university within the same reasonably contiguous geographic area. So uh, at the university, you're very close. Um, and then this is where the ARUP building would fall out. Um, it's this part of the law that says it's used by the institution in direct support of or in a manner related to the institution's educational purposes. Basically, in order to be considered on-campus property, the building has to be used in a certain way. So there has to be a certain um, type of student um, use of the building, right? Like, um, we have to be using that building for educational purposes, whether it's internships or classes or something like that. Okay. And so that did not meet the, the qualifications. Um, but if it's not used by students um, per the law, then it wouldn't be property that would need to be reported on. But ultimately, Cleary comes down to uh, student use, I believe. Now, a student or a group of students or any number of students might work at the ARUP building. But if they're not there working or interning um, in a university-sponsored capacity, then then the ARUP building is not supporting the institution's educational purposes and therefore is left out of a clear report. Okay. So when when it came time for the university to create the clear report that they send out to students and faculty every year, how did that kind of work after this murder? Did, did they choose not to include it? Did they talk to maybe the regulatory agency about it? How did that happen? Yeah, so this is um, – I was kind of interested in like how we decide um, what gets included, when it gets – when it's decided, when it should be included. And like um, – they told me, or the, uh, Sean Wood and Annalisa Purser, uh, uh, communications um, people here at the university, kind of told me that you know, like four hundred hours are spent collectively um, by um, the people designated as the Cleary Committee here at the U, um, compiling all of this data and sifting through it, and to decide, like, you know, is this crime? something that we need to include, or is this crime something that we don't need to include? There have to be definitions, because you have to draw the line somewhere about what is and isn't included. And mm -hmm. I think if you look at, at laws in general, especially these types where you're reporting, there's always going to be these gray areas um, that, that somebody has to kind of figure out and make a determination on, because at some point a line has to be drawn. Um, I know that our, our police force and our, some folks from our legal team who help, um, un, you know, interpret the Clery law as this is being put together each year um, and advise on that, they go to conferences on a regular basis that the Department of Education puts on mm -hmm. about Clery just 
to help universities understand these kinds of things, bring these types of questions to um, to those those conferences to get a better understanding of, of how to interpret it, especially because this law was written, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, and campuses, just the nature of campuses and the geography and how students go to school today, right, like with a lot of um, campuses, uh, what, are, what am I trying to say, the, you know, campuses that are located throughout the state or uh, study abroad facilities and just different kind of ways that people are connecting with higher education has really evolved. Since this law was written, I think it makes it um, just more and more in-depth to kind of figure out how to apply that to today's campus environment. Um, and so anyway, my point is I know that we, we attend these things on a regular basis to try to understand it, um, but it is changing every year. Um, and, and of course, something like a murder um, – gets a little bit more um, scrutiny sure. when uh, when trying to decide, you know, is this something that we want to include in a report? So, like, the, the, the murders that we talked about is, um, being on a Cleary report, Chen Wei Guo in, in 2017 and Lauren McCluskey in 2018, um, which will be on the report published uh, next month, um, there's a big difference between a zero being on that report and a one being on that report in mm -hmm. the murder column. Um, at least I would think to like a parent or a, a prospective student when you're looking at this crime report. Mm -hmm. um, and so is it in the university's best interest to not have any murders? Absolutely. So a little bit of time – I imagine a little bit more time gets spent looking at – you know, asking the the legality of should this murder be included on a Cleary report? Um, so, Sean and, and Elisa got back to me and said that um, when preparing that report, the the 2016 report in 2017, um, counselors with the university sat down with um, the Department of Education who um, enforces the Clery Act to ask, hey, is this something that we need to include? And the Department of Education said, no, it's not. Um, and that goes back to it not being considered campus property because AREP does not serve educational purposes of the, of the institution. And that's pretty much how it was decided that mm -hmm. Catherine Peralta's murder uh, was not to be listed. So, Okay. So was that then a choice that the U made? Was the Department of Education saying, you don't have to, so it's up to you? Or was education telling the U, don't include it? Um, I mean, I haven't seen the actual language of this discussion between the Department of Education and the U. Um, in my email with Sean and Annalisa, it says that the Department of Education says, do not include this. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to circle back to the beginning of our interview here and kind of ask your opinion. Um, the Clery Act was designed to help students be able to understand how safe their campus was, right? Right. So do you think that situations like this where um, 
serious crimes on campus aren't included in that report because of the way that the law is written. Do you think that's in line with the goal, with the spirit of the law? I mean, no. I mean, um, I mean, the Clearys um, spent four years trying to get this law passed that um, would make it a requirement for universities who receive federal funding to um, report transparently the crime that is happening on their campus. And I think, I mean, transparency in all things, I'm kind of a fan. <laughs> of course, I'm a journalist. It's um, maybe a little bit biased in that aspect. But, I mean, you're trying to decide where you want to go to school or you're trying to decide where you're going to spend or where you're going to send your, your kid to school. Um, of course, you want all the information you can get. And, I mean, if we've seen anything over the past uh, five or so years, like sexual assault happening on college campuses around the country, um, going largely unreported, whether it be by choice or whether it be by the university itself trying to keep um, universities themselves, not particularly ours, trying to keep... Um, these kind of things quiet, I mean, it's it's certainly a problem. Um, and uh, the more we don't talk about these things, the more that we um, try to push them under the rug, like it's it, it creates serious problems for people. Um, so yeah, I think the spirit of the law was meant to protect students and to inform them of ways that they can protect themselves. Um, and finding ways, not necessarily that the university found a way to not include this, but I mean, not clearing up the gray areas of this law or not um, de-muddying the water, so to speak, uh, around what is and what isn't campus property. I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere, of course. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it seems kind of trivial to me to say, hey, like students definitely use this area, but, you know, it's not sponsored by the university officially. So, you know, what do you do? There's still students. There's still people. And it to not inform them about the safety of the areas that they're going into and coming out of, I mean, I, I think that goes against the spirit of the law for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us, Justin. Um, it's been quite the heavy conversation, but I think we learned a lot. Yeah. Special thanks to KU's Bennett Johnson for producing today's show and to the Daily Utah Chronicle for their work. You can read Justin's full investigation and other important work at dailyutahchronicle.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.